Hi, everybody. I'm Lynn Petrak, Senior Editor at Progressive Grocer Magazine, and welcome to Top Women in Grocery. It's a podcast uh, in which we spotlight extraordinary women with interesting lives and uh, amazing careers and who really, really support their communities, their colleagues, and their friends and families in an effort to move our industry forward. Uh, today, I'm so excited to be talking to Catherine K. Kowalczyk. Uh, she is Director of Brand Management and Creative at Giant Food. Um, and Kate is what we affectionately call a Gen Nexter at Progressive Grocer. She is a winner of uh, one of the winners of the 2023 uh, Progressive Grocer Gen Next Awards. And on top of that, she was selected um, to be out of that entire class to win the inaugural Andy Jump Educational Award, which was um, announced and recognized at our recent Grocery Impact event in Orlando. And that award was named for the late Andy Jump, who was uh, Vice President and General Manager at Inmar Intelligence. Um, and uh, Kate will use the award to continue her education at the Brown School Professional Studies Leadership and Performance Coaching Program. A little bit more on Kate. She spent 13 years at Al Hill Del Hayes across several roles and with many functions. She started as a circular designer at Al Hill Del Hayes and then moved up to marketing specialist and then regional marketing manager for Giant Martins and senior brand manager at Giant Food. She was promoted to marketing director in 2019 and is currently responsible for the ownership, development, and evolution of Giant Food's brand position, which was redesigned in 2022. She oversaw the extension of that company's five-year brand campaign through two evolutions, and under her leadership, her team has doubled. This year, uh, as 2024 gets underway, uh, Giant Food is set to introduce its most disruptive campaign with a strong local local platform, and we're going to hear more about that in a little bit. So welcome, Kate. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, and we're going to um, get into this cool topic of brand development, and you've been really busy in here. Um, so I guess to kick it off, being a local grocery brand is something to really hang your hat on in today's competitive environment. So why do you think it's important to think analytically about a brand as well as sentimentally, emotionally, that you know we often kind of think about when we think about brand positioning? Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, thank you again. And, you know, being a local brand, it's, it's certainly a special title. Um, and we know that many shoppers have a misconception of what that might mean for organizations like ours. Um, Giant Food goes back more than 87 years in D.C., and we've always had really strong local ties to the community and our our customers. So when we, when we say local, we're really identifying ourselves as a local connector with corporate responsibility to mm-hmm. our community. Um, our industry is incredibly competitive, so naturally we're tracking both qualitative and quantitative metrics. Um, but for branding, the emotional connection with shoppers is always so imperative. Um, we know it's how you build trust. It's how you create brand loyalist. But it takes time and it takes a lot of consistency. Um, and how someone feels about your brand is incredibly hard to track and measure, right? Mm-hmm. So we spend a lot of time actively listening to our shoppers. We seek to understand what matters a lot to them. Um, and we hope that we bring authentic messaging to our communities. Uh, it's something that only a hyper-local brand could really do like ours uh, because we live here and we work here. And so we truly embrace our diverse community, the people, places, the background. Um, it's really an identity for the DMV. And it's important because it allows people to feel connected, represented, and celebrated. And you use that word connect a lot. So it's, it's you, you can connect on so many different levels. You know, you can connect digitally. We connect, you know, interpersonally. So that is, that's, a, that's a big word and an important word. Absolutely. It's, it's so much a part of what we do as a brand. 
Absolutely. And being a local brand, you know, you mentioned that how you know, being a hyper local brand, you have strong relationships with local suppliers. So how exciting and effective is it to create storytelling around those products and those relationships? And could you maybe share some examples of video and social messaging and how that brings um, branding to life and stories to life for shoppers? Yeah, being a storyteller is such a privilege. I mean, we meet so many amazing vendor partners and just people out in the community. Um, the associates, local artists have become a lot of our partnerships as well. And mm -hmm. so we've been doing these video series now for over five years. We've continued to adapt and add new storytelling elements. Um, but we really focus on the local providers and their unique stories. Um, we talk about their connection to community. We talk about, there's that word again, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> sustainable <laughs> efforts is, is a, a really great story to tell the transparency of sourcing. Um, you know, we feature a, a handful of diverse suppliers and companies that are maybe in the startup phase. So it's really great to hear some of their challenges and the things they have to overcome in order to get on the shelves for major retailers. Um, some of the recent brands that we've partnered with, uh, we've partnered with The Frozen Farmer. Uh, we partner with a lot of local farmers like Pfeiffer Orchards, um, Big Featherbell out of D.C., Old Busthead Brewing out of Virginia, Michelle's Granola out of D.C., um, a lot of really amazing up-and-coming brands. Um, we've also, as an organization, started to hold an annual local vendor show here right. in our corporate office. Um, it's a great opportunity to invite new businesses to come and showcase their products and be able to start building relationships with them. Uh, over the last year, I've, I'm really excited to, to share, if you haven't heard, we've partnered with Ben's Chili Bowl and Lido Pizza, which has been an amazing partnership. Both of those brands are iconic to this region. Uh, they were spearheaded by Cindy Volk and Donna Soros in our merchandising department. Um, if you're not familiar, Ben's has a long-standing reputation in D.C. They have rich history here. Um, Lido is a uh, part of everyday life in Maryland. It's their go-to pizza place. Um, really interesting square pizza with, you know, square cuts instead of your traditional round slices. Almost like our Detroit here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has, right, Everyone that, has that their, yeah. local way of doing things, and, mm -hmm. and Lido is for Maryland. Um, so we sell their products now in our in our stores. Um, Ben's Chili Bowl is in all 165 of our locations. Lido is still kind of rolling out in the rollout phase here, but we have both fresh baked pizzas and take and bake. And those partnerships really help cement, cement the local positioning of Giant Food. But it also, the part that I love so much about it is bringing beloved brands that our customers already love into a retail location so that they can get it at any time. And that has to be fun for you to dig into the story. Sometimes we think the stories write themselves because they're so compelling, um, but it's got to be so fun for you and your team to dig into the stories, to share them because, um, you know, con consumers will get excited about it. So is that, is that fun for you, too, to kind of learn more? It's so much fun. I mean, everybody we've met has been so kind and personable and um, just very gracious to have the opportunity to share their story and to get the word out about their products. And it's really amazing to just build those relationships over time. Um, I've been with the company a long time. There's some brands that I've worked with for over five years, and you start to really have a bond with a lot of these partners. And it's, it's really special. And I bet um, you can some of the feedback you get right away from social media from from your shoppers, right? So I mean, I imagine that that engagement goes two ways. Where you hear back from the shoppers, I can't believe I can get this at your store. 
Yeah. <laughs> we do a lot of social listening. Yes. Yeah, um, feedback from our shoppers is important in everything that we do. Um, you know, you talked about metrics earlier, understanding sales numbers and, and growth numbers, all of those things are important, but understanding how the customer feels and how they're reacting to the things that we're putting forward is really important as well. And, you know, you talk with your relationships with suppliers and we talk about your relationships with your team. And one of the things that um, struck us when we were evaluating um, the Educational Award nominees this year and the Gen Next uh, Awards was how collaboration is really a part of your leadership style. And switching gears here, how do good leaders, in your opinion, foster collaboration kind of across functions across the board? What's, what's your take on that, Kate? Yeah, Lynn, I love this question. Thank you so much for bringing it forward. Uh, Collaboration, I I feel it can sometimes be used as a buzzword, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people want to say that they're collaborative. And I think it's something we have to intentionally work on. So it's not something that you can say, I'm good at it today, um, but I'm I'm, I'm done. I don't have anything else to learn. We all do, right? We all need to keep growing in this area. So I actually, um, I spent some time thinking about this one, Lynn, and there's there's three things I want to bring forward that I think leaders can bring to the table to help foster collaboration across uh, teams. And the first one is really around active listening. And so when you're in a position with other teams to really listen to understand um, and give the platform to others, right? Speak less ourselves and really give the voice, uh, the voices in the room a chance to be heard. Um, a lot of times we listen to interject our own opinion. We listen to make a point or we internalize everything that's being said. And so one of the big things that I would say is get present when you're in these opportunities, clear your mind, stay focused and listen to understand. So that, that's the first one. Um, The second thing I would say is around the types of questions that we're asking to really dig deeper and to truly understand where and why and how people are thinking about the things that they do. Um, By asking better questions, we can get into deeper thought leadership. Um, We open the door for more explorative conversation. Um, And so I think it's incredibly important. And one of the easy tools that I think... um, leaders can bring to the table that I'm actively working on myself is to remove why from our vocabulary. Mm, So no more why questions. Um, When you ask a why question, a lot of times the recipient becomes defensive, right? They feel like they have to defend whatever you're asking about. And so instead of saying, for example, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. In a neutral tone without, you know, with complete sincerity, you could say, can you share your thinking behind those choices? You get the same answer, but the recipient doesn't immediately go into a defensive space of, well, why would you do that? Why would you think of it that way, right? Um, And so it opens up for uh, better psychological safety in the conversation. So both the active listening and powerful questions can really help us um, encourage others to speak up and to share without feeling judged, um, without fear, you know, behind whatever they might say next. So those are the first two. I like that. Thank you. The The third one here, I would say, is to do an audit. Um, so who are you collaborating with? Uh, if you find that you're collaborating with the same five people or the same one team, uh, I would encourage leaders to branch out. Make sure that you're bringing more voices into the room and that you have the right representation when you're collaborating. So look around who who isn't represented in the room and make sure that you're bringing somebody in. Um, adding diversity of thought 
background experiences often results in stronger outcomes. And so those are the three things I would encourage leaders to bring to the table. And that is great, you know, talking about active listening. And and some people aren't always maybe that you're collaborating, collaborating with aren't um, necessarily comfortable getting their opinions across, right? So it's kind of bringing, drawing things out of them too. And I love the idea of opening that up to others, especially those who might just sometimes be quiet and you think they don't have anything to say and they're waiting to be asked. Yep. Yep. Or they're thinking, well, nobody else is going to ask that. But mo- right. most times we know other people are thinking the same thing. So exactly. to, to create a safe space to, to speak up is really important. I love that. I love it. And I like the idea of, you know, not framing thing with with a why, because that's such a thing we've done since we're kids. Why? Why are we going here? Why are we doing this? And we're kind of like positioned, you know, you know, in our whole lives to ask that. But what a way to reframe that. That's great. Yeah. And also, um, Another thing we talked about, your passion um, when we were reading the entries this year for the awards was making a difference in the industry. So I guess, um, again, on a broader level, how would you describe the current culture within the general grocery industry? And what are your some of your own top line goals for rebuilding the modern corporate culture, which is marked by burnout in a lot of areas anyway? Oh, yeah. Burnout. What a powerful word. We could probably do a whole separate podcast around burnout. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so there's a lot to unpack there. I would yeah. say you know, the first first part of the question, right, is around the current culture within grocery. Mm-hmm. Um, we are under a lot of pressure. Uh, whatever retailer you're working for, there's been a dynamic shift between how customers are shopping, who they're choosing to shop with. Uh, a lot of it stemming from you know inflation. Uh, a lot of people are shifting to to low price retailers, um, and they're they're gaining market share. And it's certainly something that a lot of retailers are focused on. They're struggling with it. Um, we're all fighting for the attention of very similar shoppers, and uh, our market is incredibly saturated with options for customers. And so, I would say, you know, the current climate, I think, for grocery is just very convoluted, um, and it, it's very stressful. That that stems into then what it's like within the corporate culture, right, for associates and. We still, coming out of COVID, people are battling this balance between do we have remote work? Are we in office? Is it a flexible schedule? That is still weighing on a lot of businesses. Um, And there's also pressures to hit numbers that were either pre-COVID or during COVID. And everything has shifted so dramatically, right? And the economy is just very different than it was before. And so there's this, there is a sense, I believe, of, of pressure. We're in a new year. Hopefully there's new goals, there's new expectations um, that can really reset. But when I think about the modern corporate culture, I, I love how you talked about that. Um, <clears throat> there's very much, well, I'll go back to the connection word, right? I think a lot of it comes down to treating people as human beings uh, and really like the golden, a, back to the golden rule, right? <laughs> back to the golden rule. It seems so basic, but truly understanding that people have lives outside of work, right? And understanding that we're, car- we're all carrying around a very heavy load um, within work, within family, friends, everybody's dealing with something behind the scenes and to allow for grace for a lot of people, I think can go very far. Um, at Giant Food, we're leaning in very heavily on a culture of care. It's very important to us that people feel cared for, whether you're a cashier at the store or you work in a warehouse or in the office. Um, 
we want to be able to provide opportunities for them. And so one, one area of the modern corporate culture I think is important is really investing in programs for continued growth. Um, so making sure that there's still training and courses, continued education, it could look like cross training or shadowing opportunities and formal mentorship, um, being able to invest and truly care about the associates, I believe is incredibly important. That's something at a corporate level, but then for leaders, right, bringing that collaborative mindset to the table can absolutely help in this area as well. The more leaders that you have that are encouraging and grooming associates in this way, we start to create a broader culture that's really impactful. Um, and so, and then the, you know, being human, we're, we're not a family, right? I know that's kind of the, the cliche of like, oh, we're a family here, but and, and I think that the modern culture is, is moving away from that and understanding that the work-life balance is incredibly important to your point about burnout, um, being able to support individuals in and out of the office. And grace is such a good word to use there. Um, you know, going back to the golden rule, go back, going back to grace. It doesn't mean that we're not going to achieve our goals. It doesn't mean that we're not going to like try as hard as we can to get those goals. But that grace really kind of opens up your mindset again and injects a whole new dynamic into it um, by giving giving you that room for grace. Open, you know, allows you to fill that room with some other important things. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got is a hyper local brand. Um, you can really differentiate yourself with that too. And I think, I think the storytelling plays into it as well when we go back to that, because it humanizes it across the Absolutely. space. It's a great word. And then, you know, I, you probably get out into the field a lot, I think is some of the, you know, when you talk to the, the partners and the suppliers and the customers. So what are some of your favorite type of community interactions, Kate, when, when you're out there? Yeah, this is a fun one to kind of ruminate on because I think from a marketing perspective and because we're storytellers and because we're really learning a lot about our vendors and our partners and the shoppers, you end up hearing a lot of really amazing stories. I bet. Um, we have been doing local talent searches for many of our campaigns now over the last couple of years. This past campaign in 2023 featured all real local shoppers. The campaign that's launching in 2024 also has real authentic local shoppers. Um, We partner with artists and influencers. And so for me, being able to ask questions and just hear their background and hear their story is really special. So for example, um, last year we met the Jefferson family in Virginia. Um, This individual, his name's Rollin. We actually have his story out on social media. Uh, He tells us about how his parents met at Giant Food in 1981. Okay. I love that. So heartwarming. And the way he tells this story is just absolutely beautiful. His mom was a cashier. His dad was a customer. He would come in and actively was pursuing a date with her. I love it. (laughs) It's beautiful. They've been together for 39 years. And it's so special. He even says something like, I wouldn't be around if it wasn't for giant food. It was just absolutely adorable. Um, And so we loved being able to tell their story. I loved hearing it, but then being able to share that more broadly was really special for us. Um, We also, in the same search, um, met a woman, Diane. Uh, She's a very proud Washingtonian. Uh, She started really focusing on her health journey for her and her family. And she connected with our team of nutritionists, our healthy living team. Um, And she started to take the knowledge that she learned through her healthy habits to other women her age and really started to build a community where 
she could share what healthy looked like for her and her family, encourage others to have a healthy lifestyle as well. And it was just absolutely amazing. Her proud heritage of living in this area was really amazing to hear as well. So those those real shoppers being able to just tell you these stories um, is something really, really special. Yeah. And you think about all the people that come through your stores on a daily basis. Um, how many of them have such cool stories? Because there probably are so, you know, so many of them that have really cool stories yeah. like that. So, you know. You're going to be busy. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I actually, um, I, st- I started as a cashier way, way back in the oh, day. No and, and I absolutely loved talking to shoppers. Uh, you, you know, you can, you can learn a lot just by being friendly and, and chatting with people. And it's quite lovely to hear um, people's lives and that they're willing to share them with us. I mean, and again, that's the art of small talk, right? I think so many times we're all rushing around so busy and we lose it, but there is a real, uh, real things we can learn from the small talk and it's the really short interactions we have with cashiers, like you said, or you just kind of across the store if you're asking somebody, you know, how in the world do I pick a good avocado? But there's, there's so many touch points to get those stories out. Yeah. And you can make someone's day just simply by being a nice human. It's so lovely. I like that. That's, that'll be on my New Year's resolution this year. <laughs> Listen more. Listen more. And you talked a little bit about the 2024 campaign. I'm so excited, uh, geeked out to learn a little bit more about this. So can you share any sneak previews from what's, what, you know, what makes it disruptive, Kate? Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I want to geek out as well, Lynn. I, I'm so excited <laughs> about this campaign. Um, I, I think to understand why we describe it as being disruptive, you, you kind of have to understand where we've come from, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have a, a longstanding reputation. What we know from our shoppers is that giant food is dependable, they're trustworthy, um, traditional, which are all good words, right? Mm-hmm. That really creates consistency and people know that they can come and get what they need and, and they, it's safe. Um, but we have learned that we lack a little bit of excitement and it tends to be a little dated, right? Okay. And so it's been a focus for us for a while. We've had a lot of conversations over the years of how do we bring this to life in a way that really refreshes our brand and, like I said, is disruptive. How do you stand out when we have such a competitive market and everybody's buying for the same shopper? And so the new campaign actually launches this month. Lynn, awesome. It's very exciting. It's it's coming live very soon. Okay. Um we partnered with a brand new agency. So this is the first campaign that we're doing with very fresh perspective. Um, They've really understood the local roots, what it means for giant food. Uh, They understand our community and what they're bringing is a new sense of energy and connection to our brand that we've just never had before. So what you're going to see is an immense amount of energy it's authentic. It is hyper-local. It taps it. into the rich cultures of D.C. and Baltimore and surrounding areas. Um, we feature real shoppers. There are local artists from poets to dancers to step teams and oh, drummers. Wow. Okay. Um, we shot, the, the way that we did production with this, it was about a week-long production, and we were all over the Mid-Atlantic. We shot in Baltimore, in Graffiti Alley. We shot downtown D.C. We were in Alexandria. Um, we were all over the place, you know. In different areas. Those are, yeah, those are Absolutely. unique each one. Mm-hmm. Unique across the area, but all very special to what it means to live here and be from the DMV. But also, if you're transient, if you've lived here for five weeks or five years <laughs> or 50 years, this campaign will resonate with shoppers. They're going to see a little bit of what it's like to live in this area and be celebrated for it. 
and how we are able to be a part of that great community. I love that. And so is that going to kind of, that's going to kind of launch across your channels or where, you know, where are you telling that story? Especially, you know, we're we're very kind of layered now uh, where we tell our story. So where can people find more um, out about this, Kate? Yeah. Everywhere. It's going to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, anytime that we're, anytime a brand launches a a big campaign, uh, they will typically push it out pretty heavy at the beginning. That's, that's kind of industry standard. Um, So what we've done here is uh, we've really taken over from a, from a mass media perspective. This will be live on our TV, radio. Um, If you watch any streaming services like Hulu um, or YouTube, um, there, there will be content out there in support of this. Our social media obviously will have additional storytelling on top of the commercials that will run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what this also unlocked for us was not just a campaign that's, that's going live, but it's also a very new brand style guide. So everything that goes to market, whether it's a sign at the oranges in the store to social media, to the TV campaign, it is going to look and feel different for our brand. Um, we really embrace our, our purple, our <laughs> purple is really right. strongly our brand color. Um, so you will start to see that more prominently across all of our channels and all of our communication, but you'll also start to see more textures, um, more collage like approaches to our creative. Okay. Um, and it just, again, creates that energy, whether it's a flat sign or it's a video, you will feel energized by the material that's out. And a lot of work goes into that, you know, picking the picking the right use of color. And it's, you know, that vibrancy that's got to be consistent across the board. You know, that's no small task for you and for your team. So I'd imagine this has kind of been in the, been in the works for a good good chunk of 2023, Kate. It has been. It has been. And it's um, it's been incredibly exciting, um, you know, being able to think about not only how we launch this externally for our shoppers, but also how we start to embrace it internally from an associate perspective and what this means for how everybody comes forward with their work, right? That we have permission to have fun and celebrate what it means to work and live in this area um, is really unique and special. And it's something that I don't think I've seen from other retailers in the grocery industry. And people will be able to see that in store as well. I mean, you talk about the associates and engagement there. So I assume at the store level, you're going to be able to kind of see that across across the store, physical store too. Yeah, absolutely. What you'll see, you know, if you go to a store in Crofton or if you go to a store in downtown Baltimore, they may feel very different from each other. But what's so beautiful about this campaign is that we're celebrating each of those cities. So 165 stores means 165 communities that all get to show up as themselves. And that's part of the campaign because it's all about being authentic and celebrating the city that you live in and the culture that you bring to life, even in these, again, hyper-local areas across our footprint, it's really it's a really amazing way to spotlight all of the different ways and what it means to live here. And ultimately, boy, that sure resonates with shoppers because they see their own personal experience reflected in that. So what a way, we're going back to the connection, but on that store level, that's their experience as well. Absolutely. I love that. And so what about your own 2024, Kate? And you've got a lot of things going. This thing's launching in the early part of 2024. You're working on a new campaign. You're going back to school. So what are some of your goals for the year? I won't necessarily call them resolutions, but you know, what are some things ahead for you? Well, perfect timing, right? I was actually yeah, just, right? you know, I spent the last couple of weeks here working on some goal setting. So this is great timing. Um, I think, you know, when I think about having a larger team, we are... Um, still in in a 
grooming situation right now where we are coming together and we are identifying how we all work together. That's something that, you know, we continue to work on. So this continuous growth and partnership. Um, staying intentional as a leader is, is something that I think is incredibly important and definitely one of my goals for the year. Um, I want to make sure that I'm continuously giving my team a voice and that they have autonomy to do their work however they feel is best done, um, and trusting them is very important as well. Um, with our campaign, you know, it's incredibly exciting. We've done three tests now um, prior to launching, so we have a, a pretty good understanding of how the market should react to it, but any launch something this big and, and has a lot of impacts, we are going to continuously be measuring the results um, and the impact on the broader business. Uh, so staying nimble and being able to pivot where we might need to, uh, to keep pushing the brand forward will absolutely be a goal. And then, you know, around the coaching and, and the, the coach-like leadership, I think this continuous, uh, uh, continuous curiosity uh, is something that I think is incredibly important. And you can bring that into your leadership style. You can bring that into collaboration. A lot of the things that we talked about, stay curious, right? Ask the powerful questions, active listening, choose your words, eliminate the why, all of those things come into play. Um, and I think that that's incredibly powerful. So if I had to sum up my goals for 2024, it's to really continue to lean in on this growth mindset, um, keep learning. There's resources out there, right? It's podcasts, there's books, there's webinars. There's so many things at our fingertips that we can keep growing and learning and becoming better leaders. And I'm so excited to see what happens in 2024. That is fantastic. And I don't think you could have summed that up any better and inspired our audience anymore. So thank you so much, Kate, for joining us today. I, I just I loved hearing about it. I want to uh, see what you're up to in the, in the next year. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of the other things you're going to be doing uh, through the year and how you're passing, even as a young Gen Xer, you're passing your knowledge on uh, to those uh, even younger than you. Oh, thank you so much, Lynn. I'm, I'm very excited. and I appreciate the, the chance to share this with you. For more information about the Top Women in Grocery podcast, please visit progressivegrocer.com backslash podcast. You can also subscribe to this series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, whether that's on Apple, Google, or Spotify. And if you have an idea for a Top Woman in Grocery podcast topic, we want to hear from you. So uh, feel free to reach out to me at lptrack at ensembleiq.com. Thank you.